It's no surprise that updating the electricity grid today will make for a better tomorrow. Increased self-sufficiency is just one of the benefits. The Great Grid upgrade will also boost the economy and create new green jobs. And best of all, you can continue doing the things you love, like watching the latest epic nature documentary or listening to this podcast while caring for the planet too. Find out more at nationalgrid.com. It takes a lot of hard work to make it look easy. This Mother's Day, Duluth Trading Co. can help you give her something that keeps up. Whether you prefer to shop online or in-store, Duluth has a motherload of gear, goods, and gifts to keep her comfortable and capable, no matter what needs doing. With Duluth's problem-solving details and legendary durability to boot, you'll finally be mom's favorite again. Check out DuluthTrading.com for all your Mother's Day gifting needs. Hello and welcome to the BBC Country Farm magazine podcast. The podcast that takes you on journeys of exploration into the British countryside, meets fascinating rural people and tackles some of the big rural issues. My name is Fergus Collins and I'll be your host today. In this season of 12 episodes, we're going to be birding with the one show's Mike Dilger, talking lambing and opera with Welsh soprano and sheep farmer Guire Edwards, discussing the pros and cons of rewilding and talking all things wild and wonderful with naturalist Nick Baker. Plus, we'll be welcoming in spring as the season opens before us. But today, in early January, I'm taking you on a walk. A podcast, if you like. I'm in northern Hampshire on a bitterly cold morning. In fact, the car says it's minus four at the moment. And I'm on a quest. Over Christmas, you might have seen the BBC's new adaptation of the rabbit epic Watership Down. And many of you, like me, will have been thrilled and horrified by the 1976 film of that amazing book, but did you know that Watership Down exists? Author Richard Adams lived in Newbury, which is just to the north of where I'm standing now. And he based his rabbit haven on a chalk ridge nearby called, well, Watership Down. So when I was looking for a first big walk of 2019, I thought I'd like to see this place for myself. Try to discover what inspired Adams to make it the centrepiece of his astonishing novel. And hopefully along the way, we'll encounter wildlife and other points of interest to explore. Let's see what we find. I'm starting the walk in Kingsclear which is a large, handsome village, butcher, baker, candlestick maker sort of thing. And it's a village closely associated with King Alfred the Great. In fact, its first appearance in history is within his will, as he gave it to his daughter when he died. So where am I now? I've just walked out of the village on a little lane. Quite busy, still probably commuting time at the moment. As you can hear, a car is about to roar past. And I'm at a farm gate. Farm track leads away to the south, where I can see a line of dark hills. These are the downs, chalk down ridges, one of whom is Watership Down, but I can't make out which one it is at the moment. I'm probably a mile or two away. Chalk Downland, one of my favourite habitats, utterly beautiful. We're part of the Wessex Downs, a great big plateau series of hills that runs pretty much across Berkshire, Wiltshire, bits of Dorset, Hampshire and uh, even as far as Bath, it's just a lovely, lovely, rolling, soft, atmospheric place to be, full of history, full of wildlife. Well, certainly in uh, Watership Down, the place hums with life. At the moment, in the middle of winter, we'll see what there is, but there's quite a lot of bird life around, and I've heard field fairs, a green woodpecker, there we go, green woodpecker, and other things. We'll see what turns up. Through the gate I go. This little small tip flock here. 
Blue tits and great tits. Great tits are one of the first birds to start singing in early spring, so should start to hear the hear their two-tone call, or maybe even on this walk. So 100 yards from the road, it is a beautiful sunrise. Absolutely glorious day. There's a sort of haze, misty haze, frost underfoot, deep frost. Let's say minus four in the car, a magpie just flying over the field. Always like to see two magpies, just the one, unfortunately. Two, there are two. That's good news, two for joy. I feel joyful. This is the sort of thing where after Christmas, if you're feeling sluggish, suddenly you come out to a place rolling downland and just blow off some of the cobwebs. And it just, just the, the light on these soft ridges throwing shadows, the skeletal trees, sort of a bit fiery as the sun catches them. And there's lines of lines of hedgerows, but mostly large open fields. This is these lowland chalk fields have been would have been grazed by sheep in the past, and um, the hills particularly, but now much of it is arable. And off we go, just following a farm track, the sun rising over the downs to the southeast, and this line of hills approaching quite rapidly now. They're not high, two or three hundred metres maximum, but in this quite flat land of North Hampshire, they are the most impressive features. And there's something lovely about the curves. A robin just drops down beside me. Something lovely about the curves of the land, how it's not hard like the crags, craggy hills of Wales, where I live. These are gentle, sensuous curves. Lots of ice on these puddles on the, this little farm track. Out of the sun, it really is very, very cold. And my ungloved hand holding this recorder is um, really quite painful with the, with the chill. So the track seems to curve round to the right, then parallel with the foot of the downs. Oh, I can see people moving on top of the downs. Maybe people on horseback. Very difficult to see at this range. Yeah, those are horses galloping over the ridge. It's rather lovely. So it's a racehorse training area. More ice here. Until you get to the downs, which look much more interesting, varied habitat, these fields are very, very flat. And there's no... You can't really see any scope for... Not a lot of cover for, for life. If you're a group of rabbits on the run, you, you wouldn't be that encouraged... So I've arrived at a sort of crossroads and I could go straight on towards where I saw the horses earlier. I think that's called Cannon Heath Down. So Watership Down is not visible yet. It's round off the head of this Cannon Heath Down. So I'm following a slightly less rutted, muddy track. This is a proper chalk path. Hello, tractor. Uh, and it's just gently rising now to... We're sort of heading west sun right on my back now well my left ear really this is just re gently rising towards woodland huge fields on either side and a very very dark sort of scalloped area of the down just to my just to the south to my left one of the lovely things about downland is that it tends to have a sort of each set of downs seems to have hard steep ridge on one side and then sort of softly flows away on the other. So on this north ridge here we've got a, quite a sharp escarpment. The good thing about these escarpments is that they are very difficult to farm. They would have had sheep on them in the past. Haven't seen a sheep today. 
Uh, so they're quite scrubby, and wildflowers, trees, uh, other bits and pieces can, can survive. They're certainly good for insects. Uh, many of the best butterfly nature reserves on Downland are on these steep, steep ridges, particularly throughout Dorset and Wiltshire. Oh, there's a pheasant. Probably a lot of pheasant shooting in this country, countryside around here. Now we're going into a very cold little dell. Lots of trees here all of a sudden. Lots of big trees. There's lots of pheasant activity. Already there's just, even though it's colder and the frost is much deeper here, the ground is solid. Because we're amongst scrub land here, there are tons of bird life. Not very vocal at the moment. But... Oh, the first sign of a finger post for quite a long time. And it's just going to go up. I guess I will. Through the wood. So after a short climb, I've reached a kissing gate, a much rougher pasture with pheasants in it. A lovely path riding up onto the ridge. So two birds have just flown over me, um, looking like wood pigeons, but they weren't. They have the telltale wing markings. Now these are stock doves, which are kind of forgotten pigeon of Britain. Very much a bird of farmland, very much a bird of downland, but you can find them all over the place. And they look a little bit like the town pigeon, but they've got very, very smart, almost metallic sheen to their necks and other parts of their chest and wings. Not something people tend to look out for. It's got a black eye. That's the thing to remember. Jet black eye, if you get close enough to see one. I'm halfway up the downland ridge, heading on to Cannon Heath Down, which is the neighbouring down to Warship. I'm looking south, so heading into shade, but the sunshine across this very shallow valley ahead of me. And on the other side, on my map, there's a small rise. It's almost answering down, but one of them is called Nothing Hill. It lives up to its name. It's almost, it's almost featureless. Oh, now there goes a wood pigeon. It's got telltale white flashes on its upper wings, almost like a sort of Lancaster bomber. A couple of carrion crows going over as well. Really distinctive in flight from the more delicate mauve colour of stock dove. Up we go. Not too far to the summit. Two or three hundred yards. So another kissing gate at the top of the down. And now I'm through it into sheep grazing pasture. Well, it says it's sheep, sheep grazing pasture, but no sheep to be seen at the moment. Almost conquered the ridge. It might be time for a cup of tea in a minute. Ten feet below the ridge, I can't quite see. It looks like this must be the horse racing gallops up here. So in a quarter of a mile, I should be approaching Warship Down. The view is lovely up here. You can see the downs of Wessex off to the west. Now walking parallel to a very clear gallop. Horse training gallop. A hugely long shadow that actually goes right down into the valley. Squalling rooks down there. They will be thinking about nesting now. I'm sitting on an old wooden jump on the top of the down here. Um, 
the valley is Kinclair, where I started this morning, looking as peaceful an English village as you could hope to find little church towers poking up and even little trails of wood smoke. To, directly to the north is rolling northern Hampshire, Berkshire. To the northwest, farmland, small copses, very peaceful scenes, a little church tower peering from, from, from the trees. No one else around, absolutely no one else. Probably only a few hundred yards now from Watership Down. What is it about tea on a really cold day? It's just absolute perfection. So this is quite a few miles from Newbury where Richard Adams lived, author of Worship Down. But probably visible from the town. I think I can see the town in the distance. It's difficult in the haze. Off to the north here. And I guess if you live in a town, probably I, the distant, distant hills are very enticing. Maybe he felt that need to escape from... You know, Newbury is one of those towns in the M4 corridor that's grown a lot in the last four or five decades. And Warship Down was published in 1972, and even then there would have been big developments. And maybe Adams was thinking that Warship Down would be his little haven, rather like his rabbits, Hazel and Fiverr. This is just one of a long line of downs. And the way the low light plays on them, creating shadow, scalloped, really very beautiful in a really simple, uplifting way. These are the sort of downs of absolutely the heart of England, where ancient, prehistoric civilizations, ancient civilizations, made their strongholds here. These hilltops are covered in barrows, burial mounds, hill forts, and other earthworks. Bird of prey alert. And that looks to me like a red kite. It is a red kite. Only about, oh, I can't be more. It's on the, just swooping down over the gallops. 50 feet ahead of me, slow wing beats. I'm quite familiar with these in the hills of Wales. Now it's just drifting out over the valley. Absolutely no wing beats now. It's caught the thermal, drifting, following the line of the ridge. I think I'm about to arrive on the watership down. There's a sort of... come to the end of the gallops. I must admit, they're very sanitised gallops. But now, there's a fence and the land seems to drop away. There are beech trees here, which... beech trees play a big part in the film. So I'm going to walk over. There's a bit of conservation edge here as well. Then suddenly the ground is rougher and wilder grass has been left. I think this is watership down. It was the evening of the following day. The north-facing escarpment of watership down, in shadow since early morning, now caught the western sun for an hour before twilight. Three hundred feet the down rose vertically in a stretch of no more than six hundred. A precipitous wall, from the thin belt of trees at the foot to the ridge where the steep flattened out. The light, full and smooth, lay like a gold rind over the turf, the firs and yew bushes, the few wind-stunted thorn trees. From the ridge, the light seemed to cover all the slope below, drowsy and still. But down in the grass itself, 
between the bushes, in that thick forest trodden by the beetle, the spider and the hunting shrew. The moving light was like a wind that danced among them, to set them scurrying and weaving. The red ray flickered in and out of the grass stems, flashing minutely on membranous wings, casting long shadows behind the thinnest of filamentary legs, breaking each patch of bare soil in myriad individual grains. The insects buzzed, whined, hummed, stridulated and droned as the air grew warmer in the sunset. Louder yet calmer than they, among the trees, sounded the yellowhammer, the linnet and greenfinch. The larks went up, twittering in the scented air above the down. From the summit, the apparent immobility of the vast blue distance was broken here and there by wisps of smoke and tiny momentary flashes of glass. Far below lay the fields green with wheat, the flat pastures grazed by horses, the darker greens of the woods. They too, like the hillside jungle, were tumultuous with evening, but from their remote height turned to stillness, their fierceness tempered by the air that lay between. I am on warship down. It's a, I've had to climb over a fence, though, because the markings where to go just weren't clear. There's a deep, thick, oh, it's a thicket, copse, tall trees. It dominates most of this. So it's quite heavily wooded. Let's explore Wardship Down and see what it is that's so special. So you pass through a little wooden gate. So you've got a choice of paths. You can either go off to the left, a left fork, which goes on the edge of this thicket, or directly into the thicket and into the down, which is obviously where I'm going to go. So I'm into a dense pocket of hawthorns, uh, beech. Yeah, beech and hawthorn here. This is a typical sort of chalk hanger. A clearly motorised vehicle has been through here. So it's mostly wooded just down here. It would be a lovely place. I'll see if... I'm really hoping I can see a rabbit. There is some plastic rubbish. Someone's left a bottle, which I'll take. Which is kind of typical. It's a water bottle, so it's a pointing amount of rubbish here. But I'm going to pick it all up. That's the sort of good citizen I am. So here we go. We've got a crisp packet and a water bottle. And I'm going to just go a little bit off-piste here. Because the footpath... I think you probably get a better view from below. It's really densely wooded. I didn't expect this. Very, very steep. All of a sudden, drops down onto a lane. So this is probably where the rabbits would hole up give them good views of any attacker. Now, Nuthanger Farm is where is the nearby farm. It would be good to try and find out where that is. So I'll go back up onto the ridge and have a look at the map in a minute once I can get a clear view. But what I'm looking at now is just dense stands of ash and oak and some beech and even some maple, actually, field maple. It's quite a mix here. There's hawthorn elder, but really densely packed together on a very steep slope. It's quite lifeless at the moment, and it's not really rabbit habitat. Rabbitat, as it were. It isn't how I imagined it from the book. I think these trees are not old at all. So I suspect that this woodland has grown up a lot 
in the time since Richard Adams wrote the book, which is you know, the 1960s, so we're looking at 40, 50 years ago. There is an absolutely... When you get to the top where the sun can penetrate, it's this glorious magical light. Hello. Good morning. Gorgeous day, isn't it? Sure. Gorgeous day. It is. Hello there. So now I'm descending from the ridge. So watch it now, drops, drops off. So I'm just following the wood on one side and open farmland on the left. Chaffinch scolding away in the woods there. Pink, 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 pink. Sort of pink, pink, chuckle, chuckle, chuckle. <laughs> snigger, snigger. This is much more like it. I've just crossed a small lane. And I'm suddenly among huge beaches lining a road, of a track. But looking down into a perfect scallop bit of downland. And there are very obvious rabbit holes. There's a warren on the hillside there. It's not actually on um, Watership Down. As such, I think this is the next the next down along which is called Ladle Hill, which is very interesting. It looks like there's a hill fort on top of it. But very clearly, very clearly, rabbit holes. So it's kind of nice to be. And that looks that you know, this is much more like a painting from the film or some of this evocative from the scenes in the book. That thick woodland back there wasn't really how I imagined Warship Down should be. Uh, there's obviously a green lane here, sort of deep track that has no longer used but clearly once was the road um, it's rather lovely lovely view there's lots of sheep up on the on the ladle hill ahead more chaffinches um, a blue tit there and a great tit so I'm going to follow this very pleasant looking lane beside massive beaches you can see hares here. There's a huge, massive fields on the other side here, on the sort of south side of the down, the soft side. It's just massive rolling field, shallow valleys running away, pretty lifeless. I mean, impressive, big, big skies, but not, not ideal if you're a wild creature. Now I'm just going, leaving this track, going under a great bunch of holly and ivy. <laughs> striking out over downland again, going under a huge pylon. From the top of Ladle Hill, you get a much better view of the whole of Warship Down. And there are rat, lots of rabbit holes. There's a warren on the lower slopes. The upper slopes, obviously, as I said, clad with thick woodland. Young woodland. But it's a lovely, shapely hill from this angle. You just don't get that approaching from the... Um, from the Gallop side, from Kingclear, I think if you ever come to Warship Down, approach it from Ladle Hill, because it's then you see how wonderful it really is. And uh, it's quite uplifting. And now let's go and have a look at Ladle Hill, which um, is the next one along, and that's probably the third of the downs that I'll do today. And we'll do some exploring down in the valley. Right, a huge flock of goldfinches. Absolutely massive flock. And the reason why is there's a, there's a teasel forest up here. I think there might be some linnets among them. Oh my goodness, there must be 
Yeah, linnets and goldfinches. Oh, I must be 300, 400. There's a pond here. This is great. This is a really special place. Beautiful teasels around a pond. And that was a thick flock of goldfinches. I've never seen so many. That wasn't a charm. That was a charmy. That was... Uh, this is kind of wild, much wilder land here, up on Ladle Hill. There's clearly a lot has been set aside here. There are sheep, and the bit I'm in has got lots and lots of sheep grazing, but clearly there's some cover for partridges and pheasants, and that might be helping these small birds. We've got to keep going a bit further to find the hill fort. Not quite there yet. Um, really, that's great, though. You might be able to just make out the crowd of linnets and some goldfinches chatting away up in the trees here. Oh, I've got a way to go to Ladle Hill, that's fine. Another big, big flock of birds. Mostly finches again. These are more chaffinches and I see some yellow hammers. Hundreds of chaffinches. 400 maybe. Ah. That was the dodgiest style I've climbed in many a time. Here comes the farmer feeding his sheep. No wonder they were kind of looking restless. Well, well done him. They looked in very good condition. So now up ahead, I can now see the hill fort. Very, very distinctive mounds. And that's quite exciting because I love a hill fort. And this apparently is an unfinished hill fort, Ladle Hill. So perhaps never inhabited. But plenty of work's gone into it. Uh, bird of prey alert. I'm trying to work out what it is. It's, a, uh, it's another red kite. Another red kite just doing the same, just skimming along. The bird life here is fantastic. It's everywhere is humming with birds. So looking at my map, Ladle Hill is actually part of Great Litchfield Down. The path I'm walking on is something called the Wayfarer's Walk. Uh, more about that later. When I look it up. <laughs> um, but I really want to talk about what I'm seeing directly ahead of me, which is um, the a hill fort, or a partially completed hill fort. And there are kind of lots of lumps and bumps in the landscape. I'm about to cross a linear of earthwork, and then beyond that, quite clean, big mounds. Uh, yeah, these are the walls of what was going to be an enclosure of a fortification, something. So this would have been Iron Age, presumably. Uh, it's never been excavated. The view is fantastic. It's on a spur of this Great Litchfield Down, which I guess is why it's called Ladle Hill, uh, to give it, to define it. And I'm about to enter. So there's a ditch running around, which I'll have to cross. It's not too deep. It's deep in parts, actually. It's five or six feet deep. 
that's much more impressive than I expected. And the walls on the other side are at least seven foot, eight foot high, they're taller than me. I'm going to walk around it. This feels like a real destination. Um, it, apparently, this is it surrounds seven acres. So, how long will that take you to walk around? Very impressive. The views are fantastic, particularly to the north. Perhaps that's where the danger was coming from. So, I can see, oh, I mean, just everywhere. I can see Beacon Hill to the, to the west, a very, very impressive down, and Warship Down to the east, and, that, um, and then this, this great wide valley to the north. And to the south, well, just rolling downland, but quite hidden because the hill fort seems to. The ramparts of the hill fort hide pretty much everything here. The light and the shapes from on this hill fort are just glorious, and it's low winter light. Could not have asked for a better day. What a what utter perfection! I've left Ladel Hill and its hill fort, and I found a little track through woodland, still high above the valley. And I'm heading back down to the valley and going to make my way back to um, Kingsclear and the start of the walk. To the east, the huge arable fields down below, there's a big shooting party out. They've fanned out this huge line across two gigantic fields. Uh, so we'll wait and see. Probably hear a few more bangs in a minute. That's the crack of shotguns as the shooting party. They seem to have surrounded a copse, so I don't know whether they're bagging a few pigeons from there. Maybe some pheasants. Um, certainly a lot of shooting. That is a nut hatch up there. among the tits. There's a lot of birds on here. Among the shooting. Going back to the Wayfarer's Walk, um, from, so for much of this walk along the ridge on the top of the downs, I've been following the Wayfarer's Walk, which seems to be a l relatively long-distance trail, 71 miles, that goes from North Hampshire down to the sea, um, which probably make quite an interesting interesting feature for us to do I, very, I mean this is gentle countryside, there's nothing dramatic but I think it, you'd probably pass some very handsome towns, chalk streams and uh, it would be an interesting one to look further into um, I mean I've only done three or four miles of it so it's a tiny little section but it was very, uh, very, very well, it's nice to come across a trail, and I think we're so good in Britain at creating walkways. There is a hare, two hares running right past me. Two hares right past me. I cannot believe it. Within 20 feet, just as I was waffling on about wayfarers' ways, two hares with their black tipped is massive. You might have heard them scurrying. I haven't seen hares for ages. I hope they're safe from the, from the shooters. But deep breath. That was perfect. Yeah, that's kind of why I go walking for moments like that. <laughs> so, 
no rabbits, but two just wondrous hares. I suspect they were running from the from the guns, or at least the guns had frightened them. But uh, wow, my heart's beating. I'm not sure I could have done. I could have planned that better. To have actually, well, he would have might have caught their footsteps gambling around in this uh, on the in through the leaves of this woodland and running through that walking through a very very th- sort of thin a path through wood through woodland on two sides, but surrounded by huge arable fields. The downs are right behind, quite a long way behind me now already. You know, four or five hundred metres, maybe more, maybe a kilometre, and this leads to I expect a lane quite relatively soon and that will I can probably fiddle my way back to um, back to Kingclear and back to my car walking beside these fields talk about it being good cover there I thought I saw a hare just sitting in the middle of the field it's got a bit closer suddenly got up and galloped it was a small female roe deer um Beautiful. I mean, really, so elegant the way it's sort of shot across the the land. But funny that it was sitting out there, so plumb, right in the middle of the field. The long avenue down from the down from the downs um, has brought me to a road and a sign saying King's Clear is three miles. It's been interesting to see how fast I do that. I'm sort of marching away. I might have my lunch on the way. It's, it's about midday at the moment. We'll see how we get on. Scaring the black bird. I can see warship down now ahead of me as I walk back along the lane at the foot of it of these downs. And it's very impressive. The one thing I've been missing on this walk is Nuthanger Farm, which is where a lot of the rabbits have various narrow escapes and adventures and all sorts of brushes with dogs, cats, farmers with guns. And I found it on the map, having looked at the same spot for quite a long time. It's there, Nuthanger Farm. So I'm cutting across, following a path across country uh, to hopefully, I think it looks like the footpath goes through the farmyard. So we'll have a little look at Nuthanger Farm and then we can make a beeline back for King's Clear. I can see Nuthanger Farm now. And climbed this small but wearying little down, uh, following a footpath beside a sort of elongated copse. And it's a very, oh, it's a red kite. Red kite just drifting past. Now, there weren't any red kites in Richard Adams' day. He doesn't mention them in the in Warship Down at all. So that's a big change. Many things have gone, and then there are many things that, oh, some things that have increased or have returned. Yeah, it's a very grand building, not Hanger Farm. I wonder how much that's changed. We'll get a bit closer. The Nut Hanger Farm is beautiful. It's a lovely big building. It's um, the door, I'm not so... The, the, the entrance is kind of concretey, but the rest is a sand pink. Very handsome, huge Georgian farmhouse, walled around, walled gardens, lovely big barns. Uh, it's a perfect setting with gorgeous views over the valley. And, of course, um, 
wash it down probably about a mile away to the south. Um, it's got the same long drive here, but you can walk up quite close. I it's this big building site here where they're building a new building, a new well, palace by the look of things. We'll just have to imagine the joys of rabbit life here and all the scrapes and escapades they had at Nut Hanger Farm and then obviously the great denouement where they br- they bring the dog, the farm dog, all the way back to Watership Down. Spoiler alert, the dog is acts as their sort of unwitting ally in their battle against the Ephraphrans. But I'm glad that's an important part of Watership Down law, the farm. So after about 16 kilometres and 23,000 steps, as my phone tells me, I've returned to Kingsclear um, at the end of what has been a sensational walk. I was in search of Watership Down and found it, but so many of the wonders along the way, and I really, really recommend coming to this part of the world for a walk any time of year. I suspect it would be absolutely perfect in May and June. So this is the first in a season of 12 podcasts, um, and they're going to be all very different, as I, as I said in the introduction. Interviews, walks and talks, and we'll be dealing with lots of different subjects. I hope you've enjoyed this one. I absolutely loved making it. And um, do tune in next time. You can find... I'll put the whole walk in uh, an article on our website, countryfile.com. The next podcast in the series will be me going birding with Mike Dilger from The One Show, the BBC naturalist Mike Dilger, fantastic birder. He's going to show me his local patch just south of Bristol. So if you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe at Acast or iTunes. You can find lots more of our old podcasts there. They're all worth a listen, all different, all quite fun. If you have any comments, please email me at editor at countryfar.com. Thank you so much for listening. Take care now. Bye-bye. This podcast was produced in Bristol by BBC Countryfile magazine and the reading from Watership Down was by our resident rabbit champion Hannah Tribe and recorded with permission from Richard Adams' estate. Watership Down is published by Puffin Books, an imprint of Penguin Books.